0: Hello, and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for July 20th, 2020. Uh, I'm Scott, and I work on CircuitPython for Adafruit. Uh, CircuitPython is an easy-to-use, beginner-friendly version of Python for microcontrollers, which are little, tiny, inexpensive computers. Uh, The goal is to make uh, coding and computing more accessible. Um, Adafruit is an open-source and open-hardware electronics company based out of New York. Uh, who pays for me and a number of us others to work on circuit python full time so please uh, support them by going to adafruit.com and purchase some good hardware there um, to support us and uh, this is our community meeting that we do every week Uh, it's usually at uh, 11 a.m pacific 2 p.m eastern on the adafruit discord server uh, which everyone is welcome to join by going to the url adafru.it slash discord. Um, we've got lots of channels to show off your projects and get help and talk about CircuitPython development there. Um, like I said, the meeting is at 11 a.m. Pacific, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern. You can join it by joining into the CircuitPython voice channel and text channel in the Discord server. Um, This meeting is recorded, so beware of that. Uh, I am recording it from my computer. It will be posted to the Adafruit YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com slash Adafruit. And it uh, will also be kind of broadcast just audio only uh, out to podcast feeds as well. So uh, if you're a podcast person, you can listen to it that way. Um, With the recording, we do post notes. And if you're uh, in the meeting live, you can join the pull up the notes doc to kind of see what the plan is for the meeting ahead. Um, so I recommend that as well. Um, the note the meeting happens in five parts. First, we'll start with a community news section where we go over some of the cool stuff we've seen online around the web uh, regarding Python and CircuitPython and MicroPython. Uh, after that, we'll have the state of circuit Python libraries in Blinko, which is a statistics overview of the project meant to ground us in the kind of like the realities of how things are going. Um, and we'll do that uh, in, in three subparts. After that, we have hug reports, which is the first thing that uh, the first of two sections that are kind of done in a round robin where I will start and go through the list of the folks in the voice channel, giving everybody an opportunity to speak. Uh, if you don't want to do that, I uh, you're more than welcome to say uh, either put text notes in the notes doc and I'll read those off or uh, let us know you're lurking and we'll just, uh, we'll just uh, skip over you and that's totally cool. Um, so that's how round robin works. Hug reports in general is a chance for you to say thank you to folks for the work that they've been doing within our community. It's a great way to, for us to both thank f- folks for the cool things they've been doing and reinforce the, I- the ideals of our community as well. Uh, after Hug Reports, we have Status Updates, which is a, another round-robin, but this time it's a, a chance for you to uh, talk briefly about what you've been working on and what you plan on working on in the coming week. It's really helpful uh, for like, people who have done something similar to give tips or tricks or get advice from that. Uh, if there are longer-form topics, uh, we, we save those till the end of the, of the meeting into the In the Weeds section, which is our last section, uh, and this is a chance for a, like longer-form discussion or any questions that people have that, that think that it might be longer-form as well. Um, if you have topics for in the weeds, please put them into the section in the notes doc before we get there. That way, it'll make it quick for us to go from one topic to another. Uh, when we first started this meeting, it was like sitting and waiting for people to bring things up. And so we want to just get ahead of it. Uh, This meeting does tend to last an hour to an hour and a half uh, because we just have so many awesome folks join us. So uh, strap in and uh, enjoy the ride. Um, You can always watch it later uh, or listen to it faster later if you need to as well. So with that, let's uh, get started. I'm going to take a time code once I scroll back up to the top here, uh, which is super handy if you're watching this after the fact and want to skip through the video. So I'll take a time code. Uh, First section we have is community news Um, This is where we go over some of the cool stuff That we've seen online uh, Around Python and CircuitPython And uh, credit to Anne who puts this together For the newsletter uh, That goes out on Tuesday mornings as well You can subscribe to the newsletter By going to adafruitdaily.com Select the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter And you'll get this news Plus a lot of other cool stuff too uh, and I'll talk about that at the end a bit as well. So uh, first up, let let me take a time code. Um, there's two Python events happening this week that we want people to be aware of. First is the EuroPython conference, which is July 23rd through 26th. Um, EuroPython 2020 this year will be an online conference. Uh, the schedule is now available. And Jeff's posting those links. Thank you, Jeff. Um, Attending the conference days will require a ticket. Participating in the sprint sprint days will be free. So there's details there. And then the other event that we've got going on uh, later this week is Pi Ohio 2020, uh, which Katni has spoken at previously. Um, It says the 13th annual Pi Ohio will be July 25th and 26th. The event will consist of five and 10-minute talks, sprints, and discussions, along with the two links that Jeff just posted in the Discord. Uh, if you're listening to this after the fact, check the notes doc for the links here. Um, next up, we've got uh, an electric, electronic security lock with CircuitPython and the Adafruit Pi portal. Portal. Uh, build an electronic security lock for package deliveries, securing physical documents, or granting access to a secret lab. The project uses... AWS Serverless to create a touchscreen keypad lock that uses SMS to alert a recipient with a custom message and unlock code. CircuitPython runs on an Adafruit uh, portal open-source IoT touch display. A relay wired to the portal acts as an electronic switch to bridge power to an electronic solenoid lock. And there's a link there to the project. Uh, Virtual Vox, who's on Discord, I think, is the creator of this project and has also showed it off on Show and Tell as well. If you want to see it there. Uh, very cool. Next up, we have a Clue Internet Data Display. It says, with the Adafruit, Adafruit's Clue, CircuitPython, and an Radionica's Wi-Fi bit, it's simple to fetch data from the Internet and show it on screen. Uh, there's a Twitter post there and uh, the example code. Next up, we have our own Jeff Epler. He's done a couple blog posts. He's been very prolific on the blog blogs recently i subscribed to the feed it's been cool uh the first blog post says uh jeff well jeff epler has done a deep dive using the pcf 8523 and the ds3231 real-time clock circuits which adafruit cells in form factor feather form factor boards sample code is provided to detect which of these two boards may be connected to a circuit python host as they, mo- they both use the same 2 c address but different register layouts That's the first blog post, and then the second blog post is a follow-up that discusses calibrating both of these RTCs against a known frequency source. And I've seen some PRs go by for this as well, so uh, another example of uh, cool stuff that's making our libraries better. Uh, Next up, we have uh, Building a Custom Animated LED Sign Assembly, uh, Part 2. This is also from uh, Maker Melissa, who's in the meeting. Uh, Melissa d- demonstrates with part two part two of her Python-powered custom animated LED sign series covering the software setup of the sign including how to get your Python script running upon starting the sign. Check that out. Um, <laughs> Melissa weighs in the chat. Uh, next. Uh, I thought this would be interesting. Uh, Microsoft is seeking a senior program manager. Uh, Microsoft's developer division is looking for a... Senior Program Manager to help make Azure the best cloud for Python developers with a link to Microsoft Careers and Twitter. And they also say, and for more jobs in maker and tech industries, visit the Adafruit Jobs Board. It's free for you and companies to use. So that's jobs.adafruit.com. And then lastly, a couple of reminders. Uh, First up, um, oops, I did a parenthesis. Uh, CircuitPython Day, we've, we've set a date and we want everybody to be involved so if you want to participate with us, let us know It says, Adafruit is chosen September 9th, 2020 as the snakiest day this year for CircuitPython Day uh, Much more to come on events and happenings to include a CircuitPython team live stream, collaboration with hardware and software folks and highlighting all the things Python and Python on hardware More th- information will be forthcoming Ideas, uh, please send them to Day at Adafruit.com uh, so if you want to be involved, we'd love to have you involved. And uh, kudos to Anne for also uh, taking the initiative and leading that effort, too. And speaking of things that Anne does, uh, lastly, uh, Ann does the CircuitPython newsletter every week. And we're always looking for um, more content, all the really cool stuff. Uh, Python, CircuitPython, MicroPython. Um, if you see stuff online or you create stuff, we'd love to have it in the newsletter. Uh, I've got a link to the draft for this week. Uh, That repo has the draft every week. If you want to follow along and and help out every week, that would be amazing. Uh, And with that, that is community news. Let's go on to the state of CircuitPython libraries in Blanca. This is the uh, kind of more objective part of everything where we take a look at the stats. and. My, my mind just lost it. <laughs> uh, let's start off overall. Uh, overall, we had 25 pull requests merged from 16 different authors, so thank you to all our authors. Uh, some new folks that I see in this list are George Bonish uh, is new, Razvan, PHP is new, and Mad Grizzle look new to me, so thank you to those three new authors. Thank you to the 13 other folks as well. Uh, we really appreciate you. Uh, We had 11 reviewers for those 25 pull requests, so thank you to all of our reviewers. As always, we're we're looking for reviewers, so if you want to level up and get started uh, taking a look at stuff, let us know. We're always uh, happy to point you to things and even provide hardware for reviewers who want to do testing. So uh, reach out to us, let us know. Um, Issues-wise, we had 21 closed issues by 11 people, 13 opened by 9 people. Um, that's a net down of, what, 8 Which is really cool um, It's always good to be net down So uh, thank you to everybody who, who participated on the issue side of things uh, Overall, uh, I think we're getting there on 6.0 uh, Jeff did the background task work that was kind of blocking it We want to let it soak for for a couple of weeks So uh, expect to see an unstable 6.0 release uh, this week And uh, let us know if you find any things, uh, any issues, but it should be relatively stable. So um, let us know what you think. And then uh, I'll let uh, Katni and uh, Melissa talk about the other two subsections in just a bit. So let me go into the core. Uh, On the core side, we had six pull requests merged from four different authors. So thank you to those folks with three reviewers. We have 15 open pull requests. Uh, A few of those are pretty old, but most of those are quite young. Um, So thank you to everybody involved in that. And uh, again, we're looking for reviewers. So if you want to help start reviewing core stuff, please let us know. Uh, Issues-wise, we had four closed issues by four people and seven open by five people. Uh, For a a total of 310 open issues. Now I think this stat stat has got to be a little old. Because I think on Monday of last week I closed a bunch of issues. So maybe it missed this margin. But that's fine. Um, We have 7 active milestones. uh, And I went and redid this on Friday. So we no longer have any 5x milestones. We don't have a 4x milestone. We just have 6.0, 6x, and 6xx uh, for features and bug fixes. And 7.0 is just for things that are going to break APIs and, and things we want to do with that. Um, we have 279 open issues for, uh, for long-term, which is kind of just like it'll happen eventually. And we have one issue not assigned a milestone. Um, now's a good time to say that when I did go through this stuff, I wanted to be more aggressive in keeping things actually in the long-term section. Uh, I think that for the 6x and the 6, like, features and bug fixes, we should really just be doing the things that are, like, imminent and urgent and that we're going to do pretty quickly. Um, I think it, uh, especially for bug fixes, I think we had a tendency of marking something as a bug fix if it was just a bug, but we also have a bug label. So I think that if it's a bug but we don't intend or, or feel like it needs to be fixed very quickly, let's just mark that long-term milestone But uh, as with the bug label. And, uh, I know that Dave P has actually told me that he looks at the bug label. So, <laughs> uh, the secret is out. Dave P looks at, at the bug labels for stuff. So, um, yeah, that's a great place to start. And, uh, I want us to be a, a bit more strict because I, there was a lot of stuff in the 5X bug fixes that I just moved to long-term instead of carrying over to 6X. Um, so yeah, that's that. Uh, let's go to Catney for
1: libraries. Thanks, Scott.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So this section is about all of the CircuitPython Python libraries combined, and uh, we had 17 pull requests merged by 12 authors and nine reviewers. Um, George Bonish, Mad Grizzle, and Razvan PHP are all new um, to call them out again. So thank you very much for joining us. And thank you to everyone who has continued to uh, participate. We really appreciate it. Um, And thank you to all of our reviewers. The oldest PR that we merged was 13 days. Most of them were less than a day old. Um, So we're staying pretty solidly on top of some new stuff. Um, Leaving us with 39 open pull requests, which is actually pretty good. Um, And I know that the oldest of those, the original author is still slowly working through it. So... That's part of why we have one that's been around for so long. Um, we had 14 issues closed by seven people and six opened by five people. So we are net down and that leaves us with 163 open issues. Five of those have the good first issue label on them, which is excellent. Um, if you are interested in contributing to CircuitPython, uh, check out circuitpython.org slash contributing. All this information is available there. All of the open PRs are listed separately. Um, All of the open issues across all of the libraries and a list of library infrastructure issues are available there. And it is an excellent place to get started contributing, as the name would indicate. Um, You can search the issues by label. So for those of you looking for bug labels, we do have a bug label. Um, As well, the good first issue label is a great place to start if you're new to things. We have a guide on contributing to Git and or contributing to CircuitPython using Git and GitHub. So if you are new to the whole process, we have a guide for that. And we also are available to help you through um, learning how to do that. So don't let that part stop you. Um, We are definitely available to help. Um, In terms of library updates in the last seven days, there was one new library, the AS7341, and a number of updated libraries that I will not um, list off individually. And... Uh, that's where we are with the libraries.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Katni. Next up, we have Maker Melissa for Blinka.
2: Hello. So Blinka is our CircuitPython compatibility layer for Raspberry Pi and other single-board computers. And this last week, we had two pull requests merged by one author and three reviewers, which is pretty cool. Uh, There were... Two open pull requests, um, and there have been three closed issues by two people and zero open by zero people, leaving a net of 23 open issues. There have been 1,503 PyPI downloads in the last week, and we are currently supporting 52 boards. That's it.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Melissa. All right, and that is it for these data circuit Python libraries in Blinka. Uh, the next section we have is Hug Reports. Hug Reports is a chance for us to take a little bit of time and thank the folks in our community that have been doing uh, awesome work. Uh, all sorts, all, all variety of awesome. So uh, it's great to get a bunch of, di- of different perspectives on that. Uh, this is around Robin, as I said earlier. So if you are, I just have text notes, please drop those in the notes doc. If you just want to listen in, just let us know you're lurking. And double check that in the uh, in the note stock that you've been marked as lur- lurking. That's super helpful. Um, otherwise, we may, we may have some downtime. And with that, uh, let me start off and go down. Actually, Jeff did this thing last week saying who's on deck. So who, who's the next person after the current person? So uh, Brent, you will be after me. Uh, so let me take a time code for myself. Uh, first and foremost, a uh, hug report to Warrior Wire for display and async thoughts. Uh, it was nice to see those this morning. And awesome, uh hug report to FoamyGuy for jumping in and trying VectorIO. I think in a lot of cases, we've done really cool stuff with display IO and VectorIO. We just haven't done a great job of teaching people how to use it. So uh, seeing FoamyGuy jump in and, and learn and, and want to document it better is awesome. Um, thanks to PT and Lady Ada for always doing the right thing, even when it's hard. I had some discussions last week with Phil about this. And uh, lastly, a thank you to CKU and uh, Matthias for helping in CircuitPython. It was cool to see some new new names popping up in the CircuitPython dev channel. So uh, thanks to those folks, and let's go to Brett. can't hear brent new mic new issues (laughs) uh i can read him off and next up after brent will be charles so uh and i should say andrew Tribble put a a group hug in here as well so uh i'll read off brent brent says uh hug report to katney for air quality sensor work going to do a project with it soon hug report to community moderators a hug report to foamy guy and all those working on display I/O text libraries. Uh, hug report to Tanu for broadcast net networking live and API work. And lastly, uh, Jerry N for still pushing ahead on the RFM9x size issue. And now we have Charles.
2: Uh, first of all, a hug to uh, to you, Tanu, for uh, for your deep dives. I, I'm really I'm really interested in that. All those, all the guts that you, uh, that you're dealing with, uh, and a group hug to everybody else. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Charles. Okay. Uh, next up is Dan, and then I'll read off David Cloud. So go ahead. Hi. Jay. Hello. Oh.
3: So um, three things I'd like to thank Dave Putz, who's been working very hard um, on checking. Uh, he proposed a fix for very long long ints doing um, operations that basically starved out USB. And so I had some initial questions about that and it turned out he was in the background doing a whole bunch of checking with a logic analyzer and a bunch of tests that um, I didn't know he was doing. We had a great uh, audio chat about that and he's kind of finished the PR and uh, we're talking about it still, but he did a really thorough job on the testing. And then thanks to Jeff, who has been working on uh, fixing up the background task stuff and has done it in what I think is a very thoughtful way and has thought about kind of all the possible cases and I really appreciate taking him taking the time to think that through carefully and then um, kudos to Star Girl, Girl or Thea Codes who's has become an expert on using the Samv51 ADC um, for her own um, synth uh, board and Eventually, we hope we will get some additions to Analog IO based on this um, work. Okay, thank you.
0: Awesome, thanks, Dan. And uh, Dave P corrected me. Dave P is not working. Hey, crazy gnarls, we're in the middle of a.
2: Hello, hello.
0: All right, do you mean to be joining a meeting?
2: Désolé, je comprends pas, je, je suis français.
0: Oh. David yeah. Gloud speaks French. <laughs> uh, I do not. Mm. Anybody else speak French? I wish I did. I <laughs> know, I wish I did too. Okay. Sorry. Oh, uh, that's
2: problem. Not problem.
0: Yeah. David G can help.
4: <laughs>
0: uh, but right now we are in a meeting, so uh, let's go to Dave P. Hey, uh,.
5: Hug report to Scott for suggesting that I use a logic analyzer. I've used them for protocols before, but never for timing issues on microprocessors. Turns out it's a lot of fun. And a hug report to Dan for taking the time to uh, help me figure out some really weird timing issues where adding code made things run faster. (laughs) (laughs) And a group hug to all.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Alright, next up we have notes from David Gloud, Uh who says uh, Hug Report to Katni for worker review on the PMS 5, 000, 5003 air quality sensor. Hug Report to Tanute for BroadcastNet and John Park for the learn guide. And uh, Hug Report to Tanute for live broadcasting and internet major failure and continuing to code. Yeah. All right, thank you. Next up, we have uh, Deshibu.
6: Okay, so it's been a while, so there will be a number of them. Uh, for, awesome. Uh, to Dan for, for all the reviews uh, that uh, he's doing of my pull requests we always timely the suggestions uh, for for Scott for the Friday stream. Great fun to look how how you work mm-hmm. uh for here for working on s t n c c two ports really awesome what you are doing or tia for squeezing more from hardware that you already have that's always a good uh, present when when you thought you had something and then you discover that actually there is more to it <coughs> than you you thought and to drive for, for the work on the background. It's really great to, to you know, the whole thing, more reliable, so.
0: Awesome. Thanks, to Shepu. All right, uh, Erdmike26, I'm assuming you're lurking, so just drop a note in the text channel if you're not. Uh, otherwise, let's go to FoamyGuy. Next up is Effect. Hello um wait wait so wait wait part- sorry oh. foamy guy first and then higher effects
7: well oh, my bad sorry i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to give people a heads can't. up
0: but i'm not doing a great job
7: <laughs> i wasn't
4: listening right now.
0: well it got your attention which is the point <laughs> all right go ahead foamy guy and uh, we can't hear you i think you checked your Oops, mic how
8: about how about now yeah no, there you go okay sorry about that got the extra button now um I'd like to give a hug report to Kmatch98 again for helping uh, helping me with the display text library, as well as testing out um, some of the changes there, and uh, a bunch of great discussions we've had uh, about the ways it can work, and um, you know perhaps how it can work in the future on some different stuff. Um, to uh, Warrior of Wire uh, for their work on Vector IO, I um, must have missed that whenever that came out. That thing is super cool though, and I've been jumping into that, so I appreciate been working on that as well as um, getting me up to speed a little bit and fixing uh, a couple issues that popped up when I first started looking into it. Um, To the GitHub user, uh, GF Barros, they pointed out an issue with the progress bar library, Um, so I appreciate that. Um, And then uh, to you, Scott, as well for uh, kind of poking into that issue and confirming uh, some of my thoughts about uh, what might be the cause of it. It was good to see um, that I was on the right track there, so I appreciate it. And that's all
0: I got this week. Sweet. Thanks, foamy guy. All right. Uh, on deck we have Jeff, but next is higher effects.
7: Okay. Um, so I've got uh thank you to uh, Jeff Epler this week for his reviews on the timing stuff um, and generally paying attention to the pattern and, and walk me through that. Um, I was working on it. Uh, and then a big uh, thank you to just a whole handful of people Um for uh, giving me some helpful tips on PCBs this week. I uh, included uh, Dashipu, Stargirl, IoT Panic, Shurik, Mad Bodger, and Arturo, who provided some tips on how they do layout and how they find parts and, and what parts to use.
0: Um, not really helpful, so I really That's it for me. Cool. That's exciting. All right. Uh, let me just read Jason P., who, who has a note. Uh, hug report to... I can't type. Hugger uh, to Tan Newt, myself, for the custom board live guidance last week. Uh, Jerry's up after Jeff. So go ahead,
4: Jeff. All right. Hello. Uh, it sounds like
0: to... you have the wrong mic, Jeff. It's, right, like, super well, just power quiet. All right, uh,
4: Is it this mic?
0: Yeah, that sounded better. All right.
4: Um, I've got way too many volume indicators going on and things. So anyway, uh, group hug. <laughs> Uh, and then a hug to Dan and Scott for their reviews uh, over the last week, and Scott did some on the weekend. Uh, to Dan again, we worked through a particular uh, NRF problem um, that was vexing me, and he helped me out on Discord to think through things, and we got through it. Uh, thanks to Foamy guy for reporting a problem that did turn out to be due to background tasks. Um, I misunderstood it a little and looked into the wrong thing, but then found it and... I think we're gonna to come to a good conclusion on that one. And thanks again to FoamyGuy for staying concentrated on display IO text. It's something where, you know, a little ways back, I thought this needs some love. It's getting that love and it's coming to a much better place. And you are one of the people on top of
0: that. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Jeff. Okay, Katney's on deck. So let's go to, and let's go to Jerry. Hi, um,
9: yeah, first, uh, uh... Group hug. Uh, you know, this really is a, is a great community. And sometimes, I know as as a moderator, I get a little, uh, you know, I get a little frustrated with the with the with the atmosphere from the that we see on the moderator side. But you know, it really is uplifting to see all the all the great stuff that's going on across all the channels, all, all the help being given all the time. Um, really, really is fantastic. And have uh, to sometimes you know remind, especially to the moderators. <laughs> It's a there's really good stuff going on, and uh, and uh, and a special uh, thanks to Lady Ada for her quick response and some tips on how to get the the new uh, fingerprint sensor up and working under CircuitPython. Python.
0: Awesome, thank you, Jerry. All right, uh, we're gonna go to Catney, and then I'll read K match off after that.
1: Hello. I don't know. All right. So I want to give a hug report to sedacious for helping a community member out with a weird sensor issue in the help with circuit Python channel. Uh, it turns out that the sensor is just weird. Um, doesn't handle resets well. And uh, so he went through all of that um, with that person. And that was super helpful uh, to Mr. Certainly for updating the welcome channel with new info and making the rest of it significantly more readable to Jeff for continuing to work towards running this meeting to Ann for putting together the original sized images used in the newsletter for me for the newsletter video. It's super incredibly helpful. Um, and gets all the images ready for the newsletter, which has to be a certain width, but the newsletter video is obviously significantly wider than the newsletter. Um, and tiny images look goofy. So, uh, Ann's been putting together all the original sized images for me and it's been making everything super faster than it was. So thank you for that. Um, To Sedacious for the suggestion to solder a Stema QT cable onto my Metro Mini, and now I have a perma-Stema connectable Arduino board, which is handy. Um, To Community Helpers on Discord for always being available and willing to look into everything. To Community Moderators on Discord for staying on top of keeping our community amazing and everything that involves, and a group hug.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Katni. Okay. Maker Melissa's on deck, and I'll read off Kmatch. Uh, but I do want to say that there was a couple belated hugs for kmatch in the uh, text chat first from Foamy guy and Jeff so for the display iO stuff so uh, let's keep that in mind uh, kmatch's 98 98 hug reports are a hug report to Foamy guy for your diligence on display text to give it more capability and accuracy Hug report to KJw for finding a performance issue with backgrounds on built-in font with display text and thank you for everyone being cool and positive and crazy to crazy times. It's good to have a safe harbor. And Stargirl is on deck but first we'll go to maker Melissa.
2: Hello. I just wanted to give a group hug to kimmatchnid 98 and FoamyGuy for working on improving the display text library and a group hug to everyone else.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Melissa. And last but not least, we have Stargirl. Hi, folks.
10: Um, I just had a group hug for the whole community because this is the best community even even with the, the fun that we have in the moderator <laughs> side of it, it's still the best community
0: yeah thank you for helping with that thank you for helping keep it the best community Stargirl definitely alright and that's it for hug reports thank you everybody um, hug reports is always a great, great time I, I'm glad we take the time to do that uh, next up we have status updates And it's done uh, as a round robin as well uh, But this time it's taking a minute or two To talk about uh, what you've been working on In the past week And what you plan on working on in the coming week um, I shouldn't have taken a time code uh, But it's it's super helpful Just to know what everybody's doing And also to, to collaborate So keep that in mind If there's any longer form topics Please add them to the In the Weeds Later on uh, as the final section So so keep an eye there as well. Uh, and let me start. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, I got a number of PRs out on Friday that I need to follow up on. Uh, basically, I was doing a lot of like internal optimization stuff and uh, I created a bunch of separate PRs for those things. My goal is to get back into Python land and then get back into native Wi-Fi land after that. Uh, but... Let me talk about those PRs just a bit. Uh, first, I showed this on my on show and tell and on my stream, uh, but I'm adding a memory monitor module that has allocation size and allocation alarm for d- easier debugging of memory use, uh, specifically allocation sizes. So, allocation size, you can for a given chunk of Python code, it will count how many allocations you have of different sizes, and allocation alarm allows you to actually raise an exception. Uh, for an allocation of a give, given size from your Python code, so you can figure out like where in your Python code is causing the allocation. And that's it's very powerful tools. Just beware of pre- premature optimization. Don't don't start too early. Make sure that it's worthwhile uh, to take a look at. Um, I also added the dot find dot find dot index all to byte array. Uh, basically using that in my new requests stuff because that makes it easy to like look in a byte array for different things. Um, I disabled the the existing native networking stuff in a PR. That's basically to like shut down the old APIs that we have uh, because I plan on adding new and different ones. Um, and then the last thing I did is I enable. I have a PR to enable PyStack, which uh, prevents. It doesn't. It it splits out a separate area of memory for the the Python kind of stack when you call a Python function. Um, And the reason I did that is, one, it was allocating to the heap if it got too big, and then uh, it also mixes it in the regular C stack as well. So by having it in a separate place, we can better treat it and better put it in the right place and not also have it impact our heap too. So those are some of the things uh, I did last week, and then this week I'm going to follow up on all of those and then try to get back... And get all my like requests and ESP thirty two spy changes to a point where I can actually like get a PR out and get those merged in, uh, probably as pre releases so people can experiment with them before we actually hit the bundle, because uh, they're pretty big changes. But um, yeah, that's my goal. And then my goal by is to is to start working on the native Wi Fi stuff for the S two on Friday is my my goal. So that's it for me. And I should have seen who's up on deck, but I. Th- Going around the circle Or the list, I think it's Brent So yeah, let's go to Brent And then after Brent, we'll go to Dan And Brent's mic I cannot hear I can see that you unmute But I cannot hear you (laughs) Brent says dang Okay, I'll just read it off Uh, And we can, you can keep trying As well, Brent Uh, But Brent's notes say, uh, evaluating NanoPB, which is a plain C implementation of protocol buffers for embedded and resource-constrained systems. Uh, it's a library on Arduino. And Brent is typing as well. <laughs> it says, now I, now I understand uh, somebody else's frustration a few, a few weeks ago. Uh, okay, let's go to Dan, and then after that we'll go to Dave P. I think Dave P, Are you are you... Drop a comment in the notes or whatever if you're going to be there. But let's go to Dan.
3: Okay, hi. So I'm still working on uh, BLAIO implementing, implemented using an ACI adapter. Uh, last week I got advertising to work pretty successfully. Um, one unfortunate thing is that um, the uh, code doesn't provide the ACI code does not provide extended advertising. So uh, we can't do some things that we have been doing uh, as easily, like uh, broadcast net maybe, or at least broadcast that in certain configurations. But it's not; it works fine for regular devices. Um, now I'm working on something called the attribute protocol implementation. That's um, when you make a connection, you want to start exchanging information about what services are available, and in the NRF soft device this was all handled by the soft device and I sort of expected that to be handled by the HCI adapter. But in fact, it's not, it just gives you the low level data packets sending back and forth. You have to implement it completely yourself. So right. I'm stealing the implementation from Arduino BLE and uh, that's written in C plus So I have to convert it to C. So it's sort of straightforward, but
0: tedious. And it's licensed. Yeah. Okay. Right.
3: It is. It has an Apache. Li- no, it has an LGPL license. Yeah. So it's not the perfect license, but it's we wouldn't do it if it's a GPL license, probably. We have to figure right. out something else to do. Right. And other than that, I have the usual reviews to do, but uh, the the HCI stuff is like my 95% task right now. Right.
0: Okay. Cool. Thanks, Dan. All right. Uh, Dave P's up, and then I'll read David Gladoff afterwards.
5: Well, this week I'm going to uh, keep working on... Uh, why long-running uh, computations block out USB in a good way to mitigate that. And also, I need to uh, read and understand Jeff's changes to how background tasks are uh, getting queued up and handled. That's all for this week.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Dave. Okay, Deshipu is on deck, but I will first read off David Gloud. Uh... David says, uh, "Provided the PR for the PM25 UART to be more reliable on reading errors, uh, started to take a look at how to use BroadcastNet to communicate from the Enviro+ Featherwing to Adafruit IO, and wrote a Python script to update my live folder with a link to the gist there, and then uh, investigating PST PS2 IO for the PS2 keyboard input, but it only exists on the M4. Yeah, cool. Uh, I." Actually, I have a change somewhere where I actually hooked p s two stuff up into the native serial as well uh if you want to take a look at that uh it's somewhere in one of my branches uh okay uh on deck is FoamyGuy, guy so let's but let's first go to distribute
6: <coughs> okay so uh I rewrote some of the pew pew for libraries, so to free some space uh so hopefully. That will no longer be one of the problematic boards where nothing fits. Uh, PewPew 10 and PewPew M4 now uh, also should last longer on battery because they have lower threshold for, for brownout detection. And uh, uh, I'm working on a, a version of Fluff M0 that has a micro USB port instead of USB-C, the one with USB-C works uh, pretty well so so i'm happy with it my uh, micro usb will be uh, more accessible to people with old computers probably so so that's also useful and that's it
0: awesome thank you to just had a new person join etif uh we're in the middle of a meeting it looks like you muted so just listen uh, to how things are going. If you want to speak up, uh, just chime in on the CircuitPython text channel. And we'll we'll get you into the loop here. Um, and otherwise, higher Effect, you're on deck. So let's, but let's first go to Foamy Guy.
8: All right. Uh, this week, I worked on um, an issue that popped up with the Progress Bar library, or uh, really just a performance issue. It's not was not broken or anything, um, but I was able to update it to try to only update pixels that actually need to change. um, And so that results in it animating a little bit quicker uh, if you're changing it rapidly. Um, I continued the work on the display text library, mostly uh, been working on the background color and especially as it relates to different fonts, uh, different font types, like the built-in font versus um, the custom font files. Um, I found uh, the Vectorio module and dove into that, started figuring out how to use it um, and kind of looking into how we can enhance some of the other libraries using it Um, and then uh, next week I'll be kind of continuing some of that stuff as well as I want to work on uh, designing and printing a shaped um, neon neopixel strip holder so they have uh, fancy neopixel strips that have kind of like a um, sort of transparent but um, you know frosted look uh, that makes it look like a neon line I think uh, maybe Jeff at one point made a spiral or something. I think that's really where I got the idea. Um, so I'm looking into that. Um, I would like to play with a couple of the micro bit add-ons. I got a couple of the little like IO uh, extenders and robot uh, bits and stuff like that um, in the mail last week. So I'm going to start trying to play uh, with those on the clue. And then uh, I noticed uh, when we sat down for the meeting here that there was going to be an update to the Pupu M4. So I'll probably... Um, go ahead and give that a try out next week as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you, foamy Guy. All right, Jeff is on deck, uh, and we'll go to Higher Effect for now.
7: All right, so this past week, um, I spent some time working on uh, the RGB matrix, so uh, doing some reworks on uh, Proto Matter. Um, Working on testing that on the RGB matrix uh, that I have in-house, still have some bugs, but uh, for the most part, the timer PR is um, done other than, you know, PR uh, fixes and and other little things, tweaks. Um, I uh, also, uh, my other big task for the week was installing the tool chains for the ESP32S2 and uh, just getting a good control setup working so that I know everything's Okay, and then uh, getting started on Pulse.io. So I'm about halfway through PWM out, and uh, I'll hopefully have that done uh, early this week. So this week, um, other than wrapping up PWM out, which is a, a couple days, uh, hopefully, hopefully short, um, I'll be working on Pulse out and Pulse in um, and uh, doing whatever other work I need to do to wrap up that timer PR finally. Um, and then in my off time, I'm doing some custom PCB work, uh, which uh, hopefully will have some boards coming out pretty soon. So uh, that's it for me.
0: Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Higher Effect. All right. Uh, Jerry's on deck, so, but let's go to Jeff first.
5: Hello again.
4: So the thing I'm most excited about last week was the merge of the background tasks PR. I also did, I think, two smaller PRs on ESP32-S2, which was a good way to get my feet wet. And I also did improvements to some libraries. And it was fun to swim on that side of the pool. (laughs) Um, And like uh, Scott mentioned in the community news, I have written a couple of CircuitPython blog posts over on my personal blog. Um, You know, it's probably not going to repeat like that, but I just had a few things that were interesting enough to talk about. So besides that, I've been doing some reviews, some community help, uh, came on Show and Tell, and I've been working on my CircuitPython clock project. The blog post, hopefully wrapping all that up together, should come out soon. And uh, after a substantial delay, the new page uh, on CircuitPython.org The new page on CircuitPython.org for contributing to WebLate uh, has finally been added. I dropped the ball on that a little bit and uh, got that back going. Uh, this weekend or late last week. Uh, So this week, there are at least uh, two background task bugs to fix, and I think uh, they were the same bug and it's PR'd already. Uh, So I will be returning to SDIO, uh, wrapping up the implementation for STM32, writing some guide um, stuff. And kind of my next steps after that are to be determined. Like I said, I will have at least one more blog post in the near future showing the clock itself. Although I have shared it on the Show and Tell channel here, mm-hmm. and continuing to do reviews, community help, and so
0: forth. Awesome, thank you, Jeff. All right, Catney's on deck. Let's go to Jerry.
9: Uh, let's see. Hello. Uh, yeah, did a, a quick update to the fingerprint library to add to add in a function that was needed to run the this the new uh panel mount sensor it's kind of cool device they're fun to play with um and put that into that library it's been updated and released um and then i've been again (laughs) spending more time in the endless rfm 9x stuff um one of the things i'd hoped to do is to switch over to using bitbang for the the dht sensors so that i could take um, pulse io out of the build unfortunately it looks like for some reason Bitbang doesn't work, or DHT bit doesn't work with Bitbang on M0 boards, or M4s for that matter. Hmm. So um, I'll bring that up more in the weeds if you if we want to talk about it there, but there seems to be something going on. Hmm. And um, I do have a working build for the R 9 x that fits, but I had to take a whole lot of stuff out. Analog I.O., Pulse I.O., right, HID, MIDI, Touch, hmm. basically anything more than just barely functioning, but it does do I2C and SPI. So, um, you know, so again, I'll, I'll follow up. If, if you want, in, in the weeds, we can talk about this. I feel like it's a broken record. So, you know, it's also, if it's not of general enough interest, we can defer this to just on to Discord chats too. So just let me know.
0: Well, that is what the uh, in the weeds is all about. So okay. I think we can at least talk about it a little bit more. And if, if it, I don't know. I don't know how helpful I can be anyway. But. We'll see. We, we will find out, yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jerry. Okay, on deck we have uh, kmatch ninety eight notes, uh, but first we'll go to Catney.
1: Hello. Geez, stick a page break in the middle of my notes and it takes up more than a page. <laughs> so last week, updated the BMP280 guide to include the new stem IQT version. Fritzing diagrams added to the PCF8591 guide and the uh fritzing object has been updated with all the metadata needed now that we've actually got them. Uh, worked with Phil and the team to put together a section for the welcome channel on Discord that explains what Adafruit and the Adafruit Discord server are. We've added uh, the Adafruit Discord server to something called server discovery, which means now people can go and search for things like DIY or education and that kind of thing and find the Adafruit server. So versus for a long time, people knew about Adafruit and then found the server. We have people who are finding the server and then learning about Adafruit. And we had nowhere to point people. So if you get anybody asking on Discord, hey, what's an Adafruit? Um, We have a little blurb in the welcome channel that you can point them to uh, that covers what the server is and what Adafruit is. I updated the CircuitPython on Linux and Raspberry Pi guide to include PWM. Uh, Melissa got PWM support added to Blinka, so now you can pulse an LED or control a servo directly from your Raspberry Pi using, the, using Blinka, the CircuitPython compatibility layer for CircuitPython. Um, updated the servos with CircuitPython guide to include some Raspberry Pi references for the same reason. Completed the PMSA300i guide and put it into the moderation queue that is an air quality sensor that uh, stem QT connectors on it, tiny and handy, um, does uh, air quality uh, particulates uh, sensing. Um, So that uh, guides in moderation um, should be out soon. So if you have one of those or you're looking to get one of those, the guide will be out real soon. Um, We have a library for it. That's the important thing. We updated the uh, PM2.5 guide to use the new PM25 library, the same thing that the PMSA uses. Um, for both CircuitPython and Arduino. Uh, There is an Arduino library as well. Um, In what's going to prove to be a long ongoing project, uh, moved the the first CircuitPython library from master to main uh, for the default branch. It's the Adafruit Circuit Playground library. Um, Started updating the contributing to CircuitPython with Git and GitHub guide to reflect the in-progress move from master to main uh, the there are duplicate screenshots now for everything um, that have both master and main, uh, which uh, were actually just edited screenshots, but same difference. Um, and every reference to master now says main or master um, in the text. So, and then it also shows how to go to the GitHub library on GitHub and view whether or not your library is using master or main to know whether or not you should be using one or the other. And then also instructions for updating your local clone and your fork, uh, if those are things that you use in part of your uh, workflow. Um, Eventually everything will be moved to main and like most of this can be removed. Uh, But for now, there's a lot of extra stuff in the guide. because we aren't moving everything all at once. So there needs to be like a transition period.
10: Mm-hmm.
1: While I was updating that, I realized that it's deeply out of date and needs to be updated. It still refers to the old GitHub UI, which turns out was a more significant change than I realized. <laughs> I kind of adapted to it without really registering it. Um, the problem is if you, because some of the things are in, in similar places, but the wording on the buttons have changed, things like that. Um, they have rearranged quite a few things. And so if you've never used GitHub before, those screenshots are useless to you. Um, so I've updated a few of the screenshots, but they're really, we also refer to Travis in the guide, which we don't use anymore. Um, I, I updated screenshots where that was enough, but the entire pull request section needs to be redone. Um, to address the UI changes and to address um, the move to actions and using Black uh, mm-hmm. as as part of our workflow. So that's something that um, there are some other things that are currently a priority, but that will need to happen. Because um, this guide is pretty widely used, it turns out. It's one of the few that I'm aware of that. People are constantly referring to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's odd, because you write guides and you don't know if anybody reads them. Um, but this one I'm constantly getting feedback about. So awesome. uh, this week, um, actually, I already did the first one, which is add fritzing diagrams to the BH1750 guide. Um, I'm going to be doing fritzing objects for all the things. I have a huge list. Um, tomorrow's the newsletter video. Uh, the VL53L0X um, has now been updated to use UT, so I need to update the guide with that version. And then uh, once that's done, unless something else takes priority, which is uh um, distinct possibility, um, hopefully I'll be able to get to updating the GitHub guide. Um, but there's no guarantees because we have um, a ton of new products. It turns out when Lamore can't go outside for more than 20 minutes a day, okay. uh, a lot of things get designed. <laughs> and it's been very hot in New York. So... <laughs> a lot of things have been designed. So we have a lot of new products. Um, and that means I have a lot of work to do. <laughs> so uh, after I get that guide updated, uh the, the VL53L0X guide, um, we'll see what happens next. And that's what's going on with me.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Katni, for doing all the things. Um, okay. Melissa's on deck, and I'll read notes from Kmart Joff. Uh So KMAT came out says, past week, reviewed display text updates. Uh, To do this week, bundle up the Sparkline library into a usable format with examples. Learn how to build CircuitPython so I can tackle a minor bug with display.io group.insert. And other, uh, demo the all-mechanical seven-segment display counting zero to nine, uh, which there is a link in the... Actually, I'm going to just drop this link in the notes uh, because there is a YouTube video uh, that looks like Looks really cool and I want to watch it later <laughs> So I put that in the notes uh, Decide what mechanical project to restart The self-rolling d12 die Or the rope braiding machine So that's it from Kmatch uh, Stargirls on deck And let's go to maker Melissa
2: Hello hello. Uh, last week I finished Writing two guides for the E-Ink display uh, I reviewed a guide page Update from Katni about Pulse Modulation I fixed the image reader library for Arduino to work more efficiently at the E-Ink displays. And this week I'll be uh, working on RGB matrix version of the Pi Portable type library. So that I'm looking forward to doing that. And that's it.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Melissa. All right. With that, let's go to Stargirl.
10: Hi. Um, I wrote another blog post about the SAMD ADCs. Um, this time it's about how to squeeze the most accuracy out of it. Um, I'm planning one more blog post about using DMA with the ADC to measure multiple channels at once. Um, well, not at once, but in the background so you don't have to spend CPU time doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than that, I'm I'm still in the process of moving across the country. taking up all of my time and at this point most of my equipment is backed away so I sadly can't really work on any projects anymore which is definitely bothering me (laughs) but hopefully I can hit the ground running in August once I get settled in.
0: I'm sure you will I'm sure you will and good luck with your move I'm sad but happy for you.
10: Yeah it's it's a little bittersweet but I am I'm looking forward to being closer to family.
0: Yeah for sure. Awesome well yeah let us uh let us know when you're back up and running, and good luck with your move
4: yeah, thanks
0: okay uh thank you stargirl uh now we are in our last section in the weeds, which is a chance for us to talk about uh all sorts of different things um. But before, I wanna, before we get into the weeds Officially I wanted to just point out To Warrior of Wire who just joined That uh, we did have multiple hub reports For you so make sure and check the notes doc um, For those thank yous uh, And with that Let's uh, Hand it off to FoamyGuy And KMatch98 to t- talk about Display text
8: yeah, all right. I think um, KMax is having a little bit of trouble joining in, so I'm going to um, take over talking about it in the weeds here. But we have uh, kind of two, two quick things to talk about. One of them is um, documentation of the existing uh, display text label. So mm-hmm. um, the display IO. There's like a welcome to, or uh, it's actually linked in the in the note stock there. The display support using display IO. Sort of the main display IO guide it has a page with. Uh, explaining the text, um, but it really only shows uh, custom font and built-in font. It doesn't show um, the background colors or anything to do with like anchored position um, or anything else. There may be a few other things uh, that are slipping my mind, but um, basically we're both interested in getting that guide page uh, updated to reflect some of the newer um, features of the label class. So we just wanted to get feedback there if anybody else is. Interested in that and, um, you know, kind of what steps uh, we should take um, to go down that road if there is interest in it.
0: Yeah, I think Carter wrote that guide.
8: I know um, there is some, there's a great additional one in, it's like, I think a Candy Hearts or something like that, that came out around Valentine's Mm. Day um, that has some other... It's got really good information for it, but it is, like, uh, tied to that one project, not right. in the sort of welcome to display.io. Right.
1: Um, do you – how how much more information do you think that you would want to convey? Like, no, having written a guide now, do you think it's too much for a single page, or do you think um, it would fit on that page?
8: Yeah, I think it would fit on that page. I think the the main two things right now are the background color and the anchored um anchored position.
1: Um, okay. Um if that's something you would like to put together, then we would be perfectly happy to have you update that guide page.
8: I can uh, I can work on that. I'm sure match um will be interested in helping me with that as well. But yeah we can definitely, yeah, that can would definitely be, work
1: on that. That'd be perfect. Um let me know and I will get you added as a um contributor to it. And that should open it up for you to be able to to update that.
8: Thank you. Um, and then the second one was a little bit more uh looking towards the future so um kmatch has created a, a library he called textmap um it's basically just uh like bitmap labels though it's um as opposed to the existing label which kind of creates a tile grid and a group uh for each individual glyph um inside the label his uh will create sort of one bitmap and then keep all the text inside of that so it uh, winds up using less memory, especially if your text is rather long, if you have a few sentences or a paragraph or something like that. Hmm. Um, so the main question is kind of, uh, is there interest in having that added to the the actual display text library? Um, and the main reason why it kind of came into my mind was that that library has, um, I'm not sure the proper sort of Python term for it, but it has a, a directory and then it has, you know, the label class inside of it. So um, lots of the libraries are sort of single files. Um, and the way that one was tucked in the folder kind of got to thinking it probably was done that way in anticipation for having um, new sort of classes added to it over time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, this bitmap label would be a, a great one for that, but we wanted to get feedback uh, from the rest of the community. And then kind of the same thing there, if there is an interest in that, kind of what the, um, the sort of next steps um, would be there, especially around like, Uh, guidance on uh, api and um, you know how to get that added in and stuff like that so
0: i think you know i definitely don't want it in the existing python file but having it in a separate python file is totally fine Um, api wise i would say just make it dry like make it that you could just replace one with the other um, yep. Like just do the same API?
8: <laughs> yeah, that was my thought, was to try to keep it as similar as possible. Um, the, my main question there was I didn't know if that would end up with more confusion since there's two that kind of work the same, um, but there's likely to be subtle differences. But I was kind of leaning towards that idea of just make them as close as possible, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you already exp- you. Exp- Explain where when you want to use one and not the other. Um, so I think that's totally fine, um, and exactly what you just need to be like, okay, this is when you use this, and this is when you use that.
1: Right. It won't, yeah, it won't be the first time that we've done something like this, and having it be a drop-in replacement is the easiest way to do it because the least amount of explanation and code breaking and that kind of thing.
8: Yeah, cool. Yeah, I think. Um... That's, that pretty much covers um, our topics. Um, so yeah, we'll be we'll be working on that. I'm sure there'll be news to share uh, probably in the next few weeks.
0: Okay, right. awesome. Thank you. Thank you for taking that on. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, and I think that uh, takes us to Jerry.
9: Okay, so two topics, and again, we can cut both of these short or spend some time on whatever you want. The first one goes back to this DHT driver issue that, that turned up. And the, the back story is that, uh, at least on the Raspberry Pi, the the, the, the library was modified so that, I guess, originally the Raspberry Pi Blinka, I think, did not have PulseIO. So that it would automatically say, oh, it would fail. It would, it would try to um, load the PulseIO um, module. That would fail. And so it would then go in, and switch over to using Bitbang. Mm-hmm. And that's been working and it still works. Um, um there was just a fix put in, I think, to make it work better or make something work better on there that um Dylan did, but I think you know in general it's it's okay. Um but so so I got to thinking when I was trying to play with the RFM9X stuff, that I was really I need to get rid of pulse IO for space. I thought, oh gee, I'll just let it bit bang Well, it doesn't work on the M zero board. Um it just misses most of the pulses. Mm-hmm. And I thought it worked on the M4s, but it doesn't work there either. And so now I'm I'm asking I'm wondering is this something new did it ever work on the most of the M the M4 boards and most of the M0s not the non-express ones have pulse io or actually they all have pulse io in them so it would use pulse io mm-hmm. well or, or, yeah pulse, pulse in part of pulse io right uh, um but um so my question was did it ever work on them I and should it have ever worked and does anybody care? Um, do we, you know, <laughs> I don't, do we I don't think we.
0: I don't think we ever tested using BitBang for DHT on CircuitPython proper.
9: Okay, and so uh, it's you know uh, uh, you mentioned last week when I first brought this up that probably it was just too it's you know there's too much going on but I didn't know particularly on an M4 I was surprised it didn't work at, at, um, but you know. I didn't know if maybe some of the, the new changes to do with the, the low power stuff were were exacerbating the problem or not, but whatever.
0: Well, I mean, that is true. Like Dave P did just fix uh, some pulse in issues.
9: Yeah. Pu- I mean, pulse yeah. in. Well, I mean, right. I think it, it does. it So, uh, yeah, I don't want to say the pulse in doesn't work. The DHT driver doesn't work. <laughs> Um, and uh, it's using pulse. I'm sorry, pulse in works fine. I'm right. sorry.
0: That's, it's the bit bang I, I, version that doesn't.
9: It's the bit bang version that doesn't work. Right. Like, pulse in works great. Um, even on an M0, um, there's no right. problem with pulse in. Um, it's the bit bang that doesn't work anywhere. And so if, that, if nobody cares, nobody wants it to run, then that's fine. It does raise the question as to why do we even have it in Blinka? Or why do we need it on the DHT? Is is it because are there some Blinka implementations that don't have PulseIO?
0: I believe so. And I also think that the BitBank stuff came before PulseIO.
9: Right. So it's a question whether it needs to still even be there. But I guess if there are some implementations that don't have PulseIO, it's probably helpful. So no need to take it out. Right. But my hope of using it, uh, so that... So. You know, again, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not recommending anybody spend a lot of time trying to make the HTs work. In fact, I think people should forget they exist. <laughs> right. There's so many better sensors. Right. Um,
10: so, I mean,
0: if that's what it takes to get your new RFM 9X code in the M0 builds for those specific feathers, I'm totally okay if you just turn it off.
9: Yeah. Just okay. So, it, so it that was my, off. so let me move on to the next thing. And so I think your yeah, answer yeah. my question is that it probably never worked. And nobody really cares um, so let's yeah I won't I won't open an issue on it we'll just leave it alone and, and, and just don't do that
6: mm-hmm.
9: but okay so then if I can ask about the RFM 9x stuff what I found is that you know I can I can juggle things and struggle and move things around and I can maybe get it to work with Pulse.io or with NeoPixelWrite or with one or the other in on the English translation but it's never going to work on the German translation. (laughs) You know, it's just, there's just not, so rather than keep struggling with that, is it acceptable to say, okay, I'm just going to take all that stuff out. Um, Analog IO, pulse IO, NeoPixel, right? HID, MIDI, SAMD is turned off. So, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff not there, but, and it does work for most I2C sensors.
0: Yeah. I mean, for those two boards that we're talking about, right? Like the M0, right. 6x and 9x like right. the only reason people are going to have those boards if the, is whether they want to use those radios right and so I think that you know we don't do a great job of supporting, supporting them already right and so if if we don't do a great job of supporting other stuff but we do support the radio I think that's a better that's a strictly better thing
9: okay Oh, um, oh. Yeah, and then the question that came up that I was thinking about when I did this was that it is, you know, when I do this, it it probably is going to break things for some users who've been using them and gotten something working Mm -hmm. because they're using some of those modules. Now, if somebody really wants to, I'm assuming they can load the the basic version in, an M0 basic, which has all that stuff, all those modules back in. Now, they're probably not going to have much RAM to work with right but it it will be it, the only difference between a basic and an m g right now and the nine x build is the definition of two pins right um and so you can do that through the microcontroller pin no even even on a basic so if you had to do the basic uh, and loaded it into an r f m nine x board, you could run the radio using the microcontroller dot pin to assign the two pins correct
0: uh... It depends because there is a um, a code size optimization you can do to ignore pins so that they okay. don't show up in microcontroller dot pin
9: okay, uh, I did a quick look uh, i didn't look on a basic but i looked i looked at like say so i looked at them at the r f m nine x build and there are a lot of pins defined that aren't aren't in the pins.c file a lot of pins in the in the microcontroller dot pin list hmm so I'll take a look at that cuz at least that would give people an option if if somebody really needed to use those other libraries yeah. or needed something they they would have a something to work with.
0: Do we already but, turn those off for the radio boards? We must.
9: I don't know. No, I I I don't think so.
0: Cuz that
6: would save some memory.
0: Right. It would save some memory and maybe like the one I would oh. hesitate the most to turn off is Neopixel actually. So Okay. I would like if we could win some space back, I would put NeoPixel back. How do you how you
6: turn those off? Turn turn that it's, off?
0: It's a define that's like ignore underscore the pin name. Um You can
6: you can look at the pew pew boards because I, I do that.
9: It's and is it done in the MP config file or is it done right in the pins.c file? It's in, in the,
6: the in the h uh, file. mpconfig.h mpconfig.h, Okay.
0: Right and yes, so there is potentially some stuff you could do there. The problem is the feather actually brings brings out quite a lot of pins. Yes, so you, you may not have that many pins that you don't want to access.
9: Yeah. Okay, I'll take a look at that and see if it would be nice to get pixel right back in. I think because I think people do like to be able to make things blink.
0: Yeah. Um,
7: yep.
9: And it's you know yeah. All right, uh, I'll I'll keep poking, but um, at least that getting taking eye out gives me a, a little more. Breathing room.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's fine.
9: Okay, thanks. Um, Someday this. I, will...
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think there is a. I think Lamore does intend on making M4 versions of those boards at some point. It's just not like never been the priority.
9: Sure, sure. Oh, that that'll be really nice. Yeah. Even a even a, a NRF fifty two eight forty so you can do Bluetooth and the radio. That'd be fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks. Okay, let me pull my notes doc back up because I. To look at that. Okay, let's go to Deshipu.
6: Okay, I, I know this has been discussed previously in the context of making available the default content that the boards ship with. But, uh, I, I just stumbled upon this problem again, so I would like to revive that discussion if possible. thing is uh, with the changes to the PewPew Pew libraries, I needed to change the menu program that is stripped with the, with the board by default. Yep. The one that, that lets people say it's a game to play. Because I removed the graphics that were uh, baked mm-hmm. into the libraries. And now I'm using uh, fonts instead of, of the graphics there. Okay. Uh, the, the thing is the old menu will be crash because it won't find the graphics where it expects. So I I wonder what would be the best way to make sure that people who upgrade uh, devices also will grab the new version of the menu program Mm -hmm. along the way. And uh, in case of PPUM4 in particular, because I don't use external flash, it could generate an UF2 that Mm -hmm. replaces everything. Mm -hmm. That includes the file system basically. Right. Uh, so after we upgrade, they would be have a fresh uh, mm-hmm. device. Uh, another thing that that comes to mind is just to put a note on the on the uh, board uh, page on circuitpy.org, mm-hmm. with a link for, for downloading the new version. But I, I'm afraid most people won't and see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember there was some discussion previously about uh, a, a general way of making. The default content available for a board, right. so on secretwhiteboard So that's the yeah, thing I
0: mean. yeah. So we did we do have a repo that we meant, mean to put all the default stuff in. I don't know if we're having we're, that we're that great about it. Um. So a note a note just on the side in the description for the board would be fine. Um. But one thing I could think of it also is like. I guess you, your problem is, is that it's the old main code that will not that'll crash because yes. like Max. we already have this thing with MPYs right like if the MPY is too old we'll like direct you to a guide that teaches you or tries to walk you through updating um, so that's one option and I should also I the I, yeah, yeah random thoughts the other random thought I have is that uh, to make a UF2 that includes the file system, you can actually just drag the current .UF2 back off when it's yeah, internal. yeah, I know. Um, so that's, that's super an, you, easy. Yeah, that, I mean, uh,
6: uh, if we wanted to automate it to make it downloadable, then then that would involve a bit more. But it's mm-hmm. just uh, concatenating the two files, right? It's. Uh, right. I mean, before generating the UF2, you BIM
0: file. Right. Like and th- you could also just do a UF2 for the file system as well. Like you could yeah, have separate. A separate...
6: One. I, I guess so, that. But... yeah. Okay.
0: And I, I'd like to get to that point too. I'd like to get to that point where we can do external flashes.
6: Yeah, I, I I figure out that the bootloader actually has some room in there. SBI flash as well. It would be awesome. Yeah. and that that's definitely for the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
6: Okay, I, I will prepare an update with the you node know, for the time, okay. time being. Okay. And uh, that works. Thank you.
0: Okay, great. Awesome. Yeah, I, I just threw some things at you, so I'm glad you feel like you have a place to go. Okay, uh, let's go to Dave P.
5: Hi. So uh, while investigating some performance issues and my code behaved the way it did, I was playing with the optimization flags. Mm -hmm. This was on a uh, SMD 51. And uh, a particular issue I was looking at with the default uh, capital O little S for smallest optimization. Mm -hmm. The uh, loop took 4.1 seconds. And when I changed it to big O two, it dropped to 2.1 seconds. Oh, wow. It added about 10% to the code size, but it still fit comfortably in the M4's 512 k of mm-hmm. flash. 3 mm-hmm. three uh, didn't fit. It was over by about hundred K. Okay. So my question is, is it worth, uh, trying to use a, a optimizer, optimizer that gives better performance. On those boards that have room to uh support it you know and I know that uh an m zero you know every single byte counts basically, and so right. we want the smallest possible right. some of these newer larger have room for uh, uh better optimization i think
10: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I think um if that's interesting to you. Then I think it's totally cool And we should merge it And that would be awesome Um, I As somebody who was just doing some performance work Like I've I've always kind of like tried to keep us away from that Just because it can be A time sink Um, But that's not to say that we shouldn't Do it occasionally And and that we shouldn't look at it Um, I do think there's something To be said to have it be built Consistently across boards, but um, I think that's less and less of a thing now that we have more and more different platforms. Um, so basically, sure. <laughs>
3: yeah, I think I would also I would wonder if it still fits even with the largest translation. Hopefully it should. But
5: Because
3: um, there's 100k what? left over that's probably
5: fine. Do we know what the largest translation is? I can test that.
3: Um, German or Pinyin Chinese?
0: I would encourage you to just make a PR for it and let the CI build everything. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's there for.
3: And people who want to use uh, ULab, ULab, um, optimize that might be really interesting. Yeah. If, there, if, if the FFT is going to be twice as fast or something. Yeah,
5: I mean, it, for this particular thing, you, you know, twice as fast seems reasonable to try to shoot for.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that seems significant. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think people would be happy about that.
3: Yeah, we didn't, we never really did this, right? Just to be consistent,
0: right? Um, but... Yeah. I mean, we spent most of our time just trying to fit in this anti 21 build. <laughs> yeah. I do yeah. know that there are some M4 builds where I do think we are pretty tight. But I think that's like the skew that is like five hundred and twelve flash, and they don't have external by flash. Okay. Um, because I think in that case we we give two fifty six internal to the internal flat to the file system, and then two fifty six internal to the M four.
5: Okay. Is there anything in the board's definitions files that that would tell you know, how much is available? It must be because if it's too big, it tells you
0: yes. I I think it's just the linker script. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean if you look if you looked at a typical build, if you looked at the results of the actions logs, you could probably see you could like just look at some build and see how much space is is there. Like if you look at a recent pull request or something. Okay. In GitHub Actions. Uh also there would be um but the NRF has a pretty. The NRF boards are pretty big. Have big flash, so that's another one that would be uh, interesting for this.
10: Mm,
5: okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll play with that and see what I can uh, come up with then.
0: A tangent to that is also that if we're starting to be feel less constrained, code size wise, I, I'd love to look at Clang again. And just. Evaluate uh, using the Clang toolchain instead of GCC. Mm-hmm. Um, when I looked last time, it was a case that it did not produce uh, as small of code. Um, but I love the all the tooling around Clang, so I'd mm-hmm. I'd love to take a look at that again. Uh, okay, but that's
5: well, not I'll a huge priority. I'll look at that. Sort of thing and see if there's any uh, reasonable ways to do things
3: and your your example when you were this this 2x speed up was when you were testing the the um was that in general or was that with the exponentiation oh, testing no,
5: that, that was just the exponentiation but i'm assuming that if it makes that faster there's probably other code that it makes faster as
3: well. right there is some code that's already compiled uh sort of with more optimization. There are a few modules that are compiled with more optimization, like the interpreter, Mm -hmm. to make that faster. Um, So yeah, it would be interesting to see how that, I mean, look for those in the makefile exceptions. And then, excuse me, go ahead. Yeah, and then whether, um, since nothing, most things are not as, as compute-intensive as the the long end stuff, it would be interesting to see, like in a gen, in general, like does it make display I O faster, or something okay. like that. That's a, that would be a really interesting
5: question. Do, so, do we have any sort of overall performance tests, tests that I could run?
3: No. Okay. We we, we well, did think, some very simple, like just a while you know increment okay. loop yeah. or something. There right. were some.
5: Understand yeah. that functionality right now is more important than performance, but I figured for a two X speed up, it might be worth looking at. Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. And those are the types of wins we want to spend the time on, right? Like we don't want to spend a week on ten percent gains, but if we can get fifty percent gains, then that's pretty awesome, or whatever the percentages.
3: Yeah, I mean, there were some changes that we made a while ago that got a ten X speed up, which we're really happy about. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: That was, like, the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, and uh, some other folks have examples as well. Yeah. I don't know. Like, the trap I'm worried about is the trap I feel like MicroPython's in. Like, they have some performance benchmarks that they did. And, for example, we found this pathological case with, uh, like, loops that allocated only two blocks or more. Um, And they knew about that problem, And they had a fix for it But the fix made their performance benchmarks Like 1 or 2% slower And so they never integrated it And yet they had this terrible worst case That was just like completely unacceptable um, As a result So like that's the thing I'm trying to caution us against Is just like Being so tied to our performance benchmarks That we don't like We either waste a bunch of time Or we don't actually like handle Some pathological cases
5: Okay. Cool.
0: Thanks so much, Dave. It's awesome to to get your help on this stuff. Okay. Uh Warrior Wired of Wire chimed in and just wanted to do a quick sync on async. <laughs> um you could call it yeah. unsync, I guess. Um but yeah. You wanna you wanna give us an update on your thinking on that?
11: Uh sure. Um let's see. Uh so async await uh, syntax for people who aren't aware is supported by MicroPython, um, and we just have it uh, disabled on microcontroller builds. Turns out it is enabled for the uh, Unix uh, tests, and so the the Unix port tests and the Unix port uh, coverage tests, which uh, I found out. Um, they are uh, th- those two test pa- test paths are different uh one tests the py compiler and one tests the mpy compiler uh so i found that um that uh okay uh so so what is mm-hmm. the issue uh why don't, why don't we turn on um why don't we turn on async await syntax um uh historically the issue has been that um MicroPython, um implemented uh uh, async await uh, keywords, uh, so and like an async def method um, as a generator, mm-hmm. um, which has certain implications. Like you can you can use the language keyword next on it, and mm-hmm. uh, in C Python you can't uh, you can't do that. So um, there's some uh, there's some code that you could write in in uh circuit Python, like if we were to turn it on. So there's some code you could write in micro Python that uh, would not execute on uh, C Python Um, if you, if you wrote, like if you wrote it the wrong way. Um, so, uh, I, I took a look over the weekend at, um, increasing some of the, uh, some of the, uh, compatibility, um, okay. or like error checking with, uh, uh, with, uh, uh, async def and um b- between uh circuit python and c python and mm-hmm. um the the one case that i tried to tackle was was in was a really simple one with um with uh oh i looked at a bunch of them um
10: <laughs> uh,
11: this was just um this was just where uh uh putting putting a weight in a method um you shouldn't you shouldn't be able to put await in in a method unless it's inside of an async def method right. um, and uh and you can do that in uh in uh, micro Python. so i i uh, i went into the compiler to um, lock that down um it i, I made it work for uh, .py files but .mpy um, mm-hmm. is um, apparently uh <laughs> go through <laughs> the compiler uh, a little bit differently um okay. And it occurred to me that this really should be a change that is made upstream if it's mm-hmm. going to be made, um, mm-hmm. because it's very core to the to the language. Um, it, it doesn't seem super right to do it in uh, in uh, Circuit Python unless we don't ever intend to uh, uh, merge back.
6: Mm-hmm.
11: So uh, I guess that's the uh, unstructured. Uh, mm-hmm. Too long didn't listen.
0: Well, so I think I, I think you and I are on the same page in terms of what my goals in kind of like blocking your original PR was, which was the idea that I would I'm much more concerned about being compatible with C Python than I am with MicroPython. Um You know, the the pitch is that you learn something on Circuit Python and you can you can apply it to C Python, um, but the reverse is not true. Like we can't do everything C Python could do. Um, and I think we're on the same page with that And it sounds like you made really good progress Um I think it's totally fair to want to do it upstream But from what I've seen With like the uh, The f-string support that we have Like it just takes a long time Usually to get things upstream Um So I would encourage you to PR it upstream but also let's We don't need to wait for them to do that Um I see then, yeah uh, I mean we can we can have a conversation with Jim and and Damien about it but I just from what I've seen that they're they're just it takes a lot longer for them to take stuff in
11: from our conversation on github with Damien it seemed like he was satisfied with using generators uh, to implement uh, async and mm-hmm. you know from from his perspective you know with a low concern about compatibility with cpython um it's right. it's a bunch of extra code and probably wasted wasted effort and wasted code to have um like really what what we need is that underscore underscore uh await or mm-hmm. yeah underscore underscore await underscore underscore magic method um right. that that doesn't exist in micropython um right. to, to do this correctly
10: mm-hmm.
11: yeah that uh I, I remember looking into that uh, once upon a time and uh, <laughs> it goes, it goes really, <laughs> the, the rabbit hole goes, goes pretty deep. Um,
0: yeah, I believe that. And I, I, I don't want to send you down that rabbit hole. You know, what I was hoping is that you could still implement it with generators, but basically have a second type of generator that just locks down the thing like next so that you can't call it on it. But internally, like in internal to MicroPython, it's like all the same code. It just like now you have to check for two different types instead of one, um, but the example that you're talking about of like a wait within a non-async def thing is like unfortunate. <laughs> yes. Right, because that's like before you get to that point. Um...
11: Yeah, it turns it into a generator scope, and and uh, the way that the, that the language works, it's it's uh, it says, oh, if it's a generator scope, then I can. Put a weight in it. <laughs> hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that's too far down my my strict C Python compatibility. Putting a weight in a function that's not correct. I mean, I'm, I had only thought about the case where you're like given the object back, and what can, what can you do on that object? Um, but I, I don't know. I really well, like the other
4: thing that seems uh, less bad about this case is once you take that code over to Python three, it'll just give you a compile error. It's not going to happen after your program's been running. That's a good. That's
2: point. That's
3: correct. It'll be
4: right up front, so that is great in terms of detecting the problem.
3: Right, I think pylint might complain about it. Also, since it's going to compile it, so right. it may, any 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 of that code that we put in a library, anybody it. Would would get upset about immediately,
0: right? So yeah, I I'm willing to add that kind of like to this policy of like we can differ from CPython if the, the the way that we differ leads to an error immediately. Like, gotcha.
11: I'm just... Like on import, it's it's a syntax error to put like in in uh, Python three eight to put um, await in a in a method that is not. Uh, that is not async def. So, like, yeah, it exactly. fails on import.
0: Right, whereas this, like, calling next on the return object, it won't fail on import. Right, like, it's just a matter of, like, if you happen to run the code and get to that case, then you'll fail. Like, that's the thing I really want to avoid. Um, so, yeah, I'm willing to do that. That, like, I like I to thing... <laughs> Shifu points out that there are versions of Python 3 that would run that code. The errors were added later on.
11: Yeah, I think I said 3.8 though, so uh... you did, you did. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs>
0: and, I, and I think that's fa- like, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm I'm okay if it's not always true for all versions of CPython. Um, like I I don't want to block you, right? Like, I I I think this is interesting work, and I'm happy that you're willing to do it. So I want to, like. Put some guardrails up that like handle most of the cases, and then not like if there are really weeds cases, then then okay. Like if you're using three seven and this happens, like use three eight. <laughs> um. So, yeah. Okay, so
11: that sounds that sounds pretty reasonable. Um, um, not having not having to achieve uh. uh A weight and three point eight um, behavior. You know, equivalence uh, does sort of uh, it it narrows the problem back to again the sort of original thing, which is Mm -hmm. that you don't like that we can call next on (laughs) on the thing that comes back from an async def uh, method invocation.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if people will, but you know, it's the sort of thing that like if people do.
11: Yeah, it seems kind of (laughs) host. It seems like uh it seems like a an error that i don't know if you're if you're writing async def functions and you don't have any clue what to do with them um you could call next on it and it would like execute the 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 function another step right like right um that that might feel surprising when when the person goes over to see python and attempts to like run tests on their code or something, right. um, I guess. Hmm.
0: Yeah, so I think if you could achieve that where, like, that doesn't work, I think that's a reasonable thing for me to request.
11: Um, I think it is a reasonable thing to request as well, yes.
0: Okay, so I think we found a really good compromise and we've refined our idea of when things should fail if we don't match C Python. Um, And then the other thing I just wanted to mention was that I think we are going to try to merge MicroPython in, in the next month or two. Um, Oh, that would be
11: fantastic.
0: Yeah, I know Stargirls wanted it as well. um, And she, (laughs) she's not here to hear this, but uh, we were talking about it a bit. And I think Dan expressed some masochism to do it.
3: I I was willing to do it. I don't think a month or two, correct? I think, I mean, after two months. Problem.
11: yeah so, i looked at the merge yesterday it's like 904 files there's a huge amount of uh, documentation files that uh, i'm sure somebody knows about but like uh <laughs> it's it's a big merge
3: right well i did it twice once or twice before or I maybe mean, yeah. scott did you do one? i did it, it i t- think i did t- it like once it takes like two or three weeks and we were also kind of waiting for them, uh, for MicroPython to say finish 1.13 or something. So yeah, they come to a nice stopping point. Um, right. I'm, I'm I'm really busy with a bunch of other stuff. I can't.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? I was tra- so Warrior of Wire. If you want help with that <laughs> and advice, and want to try to do it sooner, uh, it sounds like you already took a look at it. Like. <laughs> we are happy to give that advice as well. Ah, uh, sure.
11: Um, I I guess there would be a whole lot of uh, questions because I think there's um, a, a fair amount of history. Like it looks like y'all deleted uh, like a whole like documentation subsystem yep. from MicroPython. Yep. Okay, cool.
0: Yep. Right, yeah, and all so- the ports
3: that we don't support. So yeah.
0: Right, so there's a lot of stuff you can just ignore outright. The challenging stuff is, like, in the Pi folder.
3: Yes. Uh, right, and there was also a lot of challenging stuff having to do streams. Yep. So there was, that was kind of the worst.
0: Um, the last time you did it.
3: Yeah, last time I did it, yeah. yeah. Because it wasn't really possible to take... One other issue is that a lot of stuff that they have in XtMod we have now more put into shared bindings and shared modules. And so you have to like, oh, there's been a change to JSON or something. Well, actually I think JSON is still on XMOD, but there are things where you'd have to kind of manually move it to another file because we have, or,
0: or we just don't do that. Right. Like, or yeah. we just don't do that in the merge. Like if it turns out that there is something we did want, like we can do that as a cherry pick or just like copy. it. Well, it'd be
3: nice to know what the fixes are. So, I mean, because, yeah. yeah, I mean, the re- main reason to do pick up bug fixes is my right. opinion. Yeah. yeah. There aren't that many features that have been added that are to the base language that are all that interesting to yeah. us, except maybe this Dynamics C modules
0: Right. So, and I think that's what Stargirl's interest is as well. Yeah. Um the main doc thing is that we moved all of our API docs into shared bindings in line with the C. Um, but we also don't overlap that much with, uh, with their APIs as well. So there's not a lot that we gain from that. Gotcha. Um, But yeah, I'm scared. I'm scared of the string compression thing. Um, like they, they did string compression inspired, but we did, but they did it differently.
11: Yeah, I saw uh, that was, I, I I went through resolving a few files and then I, I ran into one uh, where I saw uh, translate and string compression and I was like, oh, this is going to suck. And yeah. then I aborted it.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah, and that's been my hesitancy as well. Um, I should also say that I did have some discussions with Jim who I talked to more than Damien and I should probably reach out to Damien again. But Jim works off and on with Damien and he's on Slack, so he's easier to get a hold of. Uh but he did have this, some discussion with me about like they are I think are tending towards the like live micropython structure. Um, where like my my thing has been the opposite direction where like we're kind of a monolithic thing that we integrate other stuff into. Um but he also pointed out that like maybe if we got the microPython like he would like ports to be separate repos as well. And then like if live micropython really becomes just the VM, then that like is potentially an interesting way for us to like not have to worry about this documentation issue that you hit, like if it's just like we only pull in the VM stuff. Um,
11: that would be nice.
0: Yeah. But yeah, it's Interesting <laughs> uh, and it, it, you know at the end of the day, like our the folks that are paid by Adafruit, like our focus is first and foremost the hardware that we're excited about uh, because that pays the bills so
11: right and uh, i'm I'm excited about async uh, await a because it lets more users write apparently in line code to you know interact with hardware that's connected via i2c or whatever mm-hmm. and that takes time so you right. can have like fast uh fast uh responsive microcontroller projects without having to write like heinous state machines to yeah. keep your loop live <laughs>
0: right right yeah i think um i i think that uh it's super cool that you're working on that and and i also re- want to reiterate that like you know i try to be very clear about our prioritization as people paid for by adafruit which is something that i feel like i have some influence over but like we will always spend the time to get other people with other priorities ramped up if they want to be ramped up into the core code um so that folks like you warrior wire uh, or other folks can can get stuff into the core like we do, i don't i never want us to block that right like i i want to us to always, first and foremost, enable people to add what they're interested in into CircuitPython, as long as the experience is preserved.
11: Right. It feels pretty welcoming here for what it's worth.
0: Great. Awesome. I, I would like
3: to talk to you uh, in a separate thing about using async for concurrency, stuff like sure. that. So, because there are some big stumbling blocks that you may have not seen yet. So. I'll talk yeah. about it. But not now. Doesn't it? Not now.
11: Okay. Yeah, sure. Happy to okay. Uh, whenever.
3: Okay.
0: Yeah, we're getting some comments about how long this In the Weeds is. And I just, I, this is exactly why In the Weeds is at the end. <laughs> um, this is why we do it at the end because what can happen, right, is if we end the meeting too early, is we end up just continuing the discussion when the recording is stopped. And that means that like, people who weren't able to make the meeting Or weren't in there still can't like, go back and revisit it So I'm totally okay having a meeting that we record long um, And if you have to leave, like David's pointing out like You're welcome to leave and come back to this You can come back to this because um, we have it recorded But um, nobody should ever feel obligated to stay the whole hour and a half Like If you need to get out of here early and you can only spend a half an hour Please just let us know, we'll accommodate you um, That's totally fine um, cool ah, With that, let's wrap up <laughs> I think it may be the longest uh, So thank you everybody For uh, strapping in For this extra long Circuit Python Weekly um, We do this every week at 11am Pacific 2pm Eastern on Mondays uh, Unless Monday is a US holiday And then we tend to push it around uh, We do have a calendar that's available If you want to subscribe to when the meeting will be um, hopefully that helps with time zones as well. Um, everybody's welcome to join. You can join by going to the Adafruit Discord server, which is adafru.it slash discord. We'll get you in. Um, we're there all week, so you can chat with us there. Um, and we have the CircuitPython channel uh, primarily for development. We have help help with CircuitPython for folks who are just getting started. And... Um, yeah, this meeting was record- was recorded. The notes will go up along with the recordings, and they'll go to youtube.com slash Adafruit. Uh, check that out. There's a list of, like, three years' worth of recordings as well, if you ever want to see where we were three years ago. Um, just a reminder, Python Day is September 9th, uh, 2020, this year. So if you want to participate and help us out with that, please reach out to us. Um, there's also a Day at adafruit.com email. Um, that would be great as well and uh, other than that i think that's it um thank you everybody for joining and being a part of this awesome community it wouldn't be awesome without you and we'll talk to you all next week
1: thanks everyone thank you
2: thanks all see you later